fucking who hootie who we're here to discuss the new uh covid slasher penned by kevin williamson and somebody else too right i want to give everybody their credit yeah there is another uh screenwriter it was a young lady i believe her first name is kara i don't know her last name all right but i do know that did help caitlin crab was caitlin crab okay it was directed by well, John Williams. That was it's starring, starring Gideon Alden, Beth Million, Dylan Sprayberry, and Joel Courtney. Uh, this is on Peacock. You kind of put me on to this, Mindy. Uh, before we get into it, there is a, a couple little pieces of news. We got to talk about that Scream trailer a little bit. I don't know if we did last week. We didn't, and we really, we we have to. We, we got to do it. Uh our girl Ortega seems to be hitting full final girl status. Uh, Sam seems to. A, a lot of people were thinking that Sam's going to be Ghostface in this one. Uh, that's a theory. I don't know. I think it's Kirby. I think oh, it's think? Kirby and some FBI agents, and I think they're trying to get rid of the uh, Ghostface legend. So they got to take Sam and Gail out so they can. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, because. Well, no, because there's just, like, when they're in the grocery store, there's just, like, some technical things, guys. Like, go back and watch it, and if you see that, and if you watch Ghostface with the rifle in the grocery store, well, number one, he doesn't use a fucking rifle. He's never used a rifle, ever. Yeah. It was cool. But... So, but you've got to watch how he does, what he does with the rifle, because... He puts it down and puts it in a gun sling that he's wearing, but he does it the way a military or an FBI agent would be trained to do. Did about six times that. Because <laughs> I wanted to make sure I was right. And I, I don't know. I mean, it would make sense. Why would Kirby come back if not to end the Ghostface legend? I don't know. A what better way to do it than to get a, I mean, you saw the subway, and the subway scene, if you look closely, all of the ghost faces are wearing different ghost face masks. That's true. So, I mean, it, it's a clan of something. There's some kind of ghost face clan going on. I honestly think that it might be Kirby and some FBI agents. Yeah. That would be a very good twist. Do I want it to happen? Not really, because I don't really want it to be about Kirby. But do I understand why they would go that way? Absolutely. Because you already know from the trailer, Gail's going to die. You think so? That's the fucking movie. I mean, the killer's already in her house when he's on the phone with her, and he already takes out who she's with. If you look behind her, you can see Ghostface taking out, uh, splitting the sword of the person that was in her house. Absolutely. But that's what? also why I think that's also why I think it's a group that wants to get rid of Ghostface once and for all, because who writes about Ghostface? Gail. Gail. Gail, Sharon. It's Gail, Daniel. So, and I agree. I agree. But also, I think that to have some, I think everyone thinks she's going to die, so I think there's a chance she might live. I really do. I think Gail might make it to the end of this whole franchise. Because I'm assuming this is going to be the last one. 
It should be. I really hope that Matt and Tyler have decided that it is going to be the last one. They haven't said anything yet, but I, I really hope it is going to be the last one. That's just yeah. my hopes and dreams. But unfortunately, if they get a lot of money, you know they're not going to stop. No, probably not. So, speaking of a lot of money, Megan is doing insanely well at the box office. It is, isn't it? It's doing it- so well that it's not getting released on Peacock yet. Oh, I thought it was already there. I thought it was already there, too, but I looked, and it wasn't there. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. You look. No, it's only I've only seen it be advertised for in theaters. I think they scrapped the streaming, and they're like, let's make money off this. I mean, yeah, it's a $12 million budget, and it made 158 And that's just so far, because it's still playing. But that's still fucking crazy <laughs> for a movie that, like, I I, I feel like it was kind of like an overnight success. There was no it really was. I mean, there was marketing, but you really didn't hear much about it until it came out. And that Unless was you were a fan over. of Jenny and Davis on YouTube, like I am, I didn't hear about this movie at all until he gave her permission to show the trailer on YouTube, which was yeah. about 10 months ago. Yeah. Then I knew it was coming. Before that, I didn't even know. So a lot of people like yourself are just seeing this. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, another one, the M. Night Shyamalan knock at the cabin starring David T. Oh, my God, you're obsessed. It's kind of getting shit on. I knew it was going to get shit on, Daniel. I told you it was going to get shit on. It's it's a a new horror movie. We got to talk about it. I know, but M. Night Shyamalan has lost his mojo. I think it looks good. And I like the idea. I thought it looked fantastic, and I like the idea, but I don't see it going anywhere. I mean, we'll, I don't think we'll it's have done. to see. We'll have to watch it. I just think Batista's really turned. I think he's turned into probably the best wrestler turned actor, and he seems to have really good character work in him. Especially, I that's rock. part of the I reason why I want to see rock. it. That's part yeah. of the reason why I want to see it. That's a big reason why I want to see it because I do like enjoy his character. acting. Yeah. And like you just said, he's playing a completely different character. So I'm interested to see if he can play a different character or if it's going to just come off as him. And our boy Ron Weasley's in it, too. Really? Oh, Rupert Grint's in it? Yeah, he's one of the four that are with Batista. He's like one of the three that's with Batista that are trying to convince the gay couple that they're – about to enter an apocalypse and let's they sacrifice one of them. Uh, oh shit. It looks really good. But uh yeah we'll we'll see maybe we'll check it out but uh we'll see if it ever gets on streaming or or what happens. Uh any more news or um the only thing I can really for certain is that Chucky season 3 we have no idea when it's coming back I don't know if it's getting cancelled or not okay it's kind of up in the air and also I would like to mention that Wednesday is getting a second season and it'll be out shortly uh, this year Really? Yep. Around, um, well, not shortly, but like later this year. Oh, yeah. Right, around October. So that'll be fun. I really enjoyed that. You guys, I think, would really enjoy it. It's on Netflix. It's definitely less Adam's Family and more focused on Wednesday. 
Oh, but, yeah. I mean, the show is called Wednesday, so I don't really know what you want. <laughs> but, I mean, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was great, too. And, you know, it took over the world for a little bit there. It's starting to kind of slow down now, but. Uh, and, like, the fact that she choreographed her own dance, she learned how to play the cello, and she learned how to fence, like, damn. Yeah, it's pretty badass. There's not a lot of young kids that would do that for a role. But that's just that's just me. That's why I also see why you would say that Sam would be in the new Ghostface. Yeah, I I to me she seems a little too sketched out, and especially seeing a serial killer uh, last movie all the time, I can see it ended up being her and her sister, her go- going against her sister and killing all her sisters. Because all her sisters, she was kind of a suspect in the first one, and all her sister's friends dying around her and shit. So I, I don't know. I think it's either they, they really commit to that or they don't. But if you don't have Sam become the killer, I think you do got to kill one of the sisters to make it interesting. Yeah, and I think, honestly, if they do kill one of the sisters, I hate to say it, but I think it's going to be Sam. Yeah. I think if they want to go for the jugular, it'll be Tara, and that's what's going to set Sam off. And I think they'll do that if they want to do a sequel. But if they're going to end it, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I don't want to see another one. I I, I want this to go out with a bang and then it'd be it. I would love for it, too. But, I mean, we just saw it happen with Halloween. I mean, they did Halloween ends, and now they're doing Halloween Reborn. For sure. They do it all the time. I mean, if you look up Animeville, there's 19 Animeville movies. Yeah. I feel like there's only a few really good ones in that, though. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying every single 19 of them was a hit. A lot of them are really, really stupid. Some of them don't even, some of them don't even exist inside Annieville. One's about a dollhouse that looks like it. But, anyways... Let's get back to the bread and butter of what we're talking about. All right. Sick, Sick, written by Kevin Williamson and Caitlin Crabb. This released on Peacock January 13th. You told me about it last week. We checked it out. I actually just watched it. I know you just rewatched it. What did you think, Mindy? Um, I first watch, I very much so enjoyed it. Second watch when I was nitpicking, I didn't really like it that much. I started seeing a lot of flaws. But then the third time, the time that I just rewatched it, I really, really did enjoy it. I enjoyed it a lot. So um, I will have to say it irritated me to have a Kevin Williamson film and have all of those stupid horror tropes in there that he normally makes fun of. Like the leaving the doors unlocked. Oh, leaving doors unlocked? And leaving them open in chat. Like, that's something he doesn't do. So, that was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little weird. But also, and to me... Now that we're talking critiques already off the bat, one thing I didn't love... By the way, I'm really high on this movie. I thought this was really good. It's the type of horror that I love. I I knew you were going to love it. I knew you were going to fucking love it. Yeah. I love this. I love the slasher type deal, especially, you know, written by somebody who's like... I kind of like look up to. He's like my top five horror writers of all time, probably. 
Yeah, and, guys, uh, you got to understand, Kevin Williamson and, like, Daniel, like, Daniel would be speechless if he ever met him. Exactly. If it, like, just someone who really gets it and really knows the craft and how to, like, craft a horror movie, at least on page, is, I don't know if there's anybody better than him. But yeah. I will say that the meta humor and the meta writing, it isn't that aging as well as it used to. I don't, like, because it's you well, to me, it wasn't missing, but it felt too deliberate. Like, it was too many, like, where's the Wi-Fi passwords and, like, Insta? And, like, it was just too new age, and it was like he was trying way too hard to be hip and cool. And it felt like that. And it felt like written by an older person that was trying to be hip and cool. And I'm not, and, and that might be how I would, like, translate it, too. So I'm not trying to, like, talk a, a shitload of shit. Because it was still a good movie with a lot of the... I love the pacing. I love the, the plot. I love the... That was great, too. I love the chase scenes. I, I The action, you know, the kills, what a couple that there were. I thought all that was great. The kills were a boy. I thought the dialogue lacked a little bit. Especially for such good actresses. Like, that... The girl, she was she was in Scream. She was the killer. I know she wasn't your favorite. I think she's a good actress. She's a good horror actress. Parker? Yeah. Wait, da 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 da. Parker played Amber. Yeah, she was the killer. She had to have gotten some work done, cause she don't look like the same girl at all. Oh, oh no! Oh no! 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 She's not. And Amber's extremely thin. This girl was chunky. Yeah, no, it's not the same girl. It looks like her to me. Jesus. No, okay. Not. She was in black. Well, I understand. But, uh, oh, she was in Cockbockers. Okay. Yeah. Those two girls look a lot alike, though, in my eyes. She, I, I see where you would see the difference, too. You're right. But uh, I thought she I did a really good the job. The body frame wasn't the same. Yeah. But I thought she did a damn good job. I thought, you know, the friend was amazing. I really liked... Uh, I love Mary. Mary. Mary was good. DJ got fucked up. <laughs> Oh my God, DJ! DJ is probably one of my favorite kills. Yeah, and I really great. If we're going right, because I I know we like to give a little bit of the synopsis, the beginning. Yeah, so let's go ahead and give a little bit of the synopsis. They 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 started off with a bang, but just to finish up my piece on the dialogue, I it's not that it wasn't good, and there was especially like a lot of the exchanges between. Mary or Mary and Parker when shit was going down, I thought it was really good and it felt really believable and real. But it's just the beginning stuff and the setup and the whole like everything about COVID and stuff. It's just felt a little too meta and a little too trying to say what everybody else says than actually two humans having a conversation. And it's just hard to. And it was really a little too down. soon. A little bit. Well, I think I mean, it was a little too soon. Like with the I whole stopping think- thing and. Yes, but I also think that he perfectly encaptured the first few months of that pandemic. Oh, definitely. It's, it makes – now it's like – I feel like we're all, like, as a society, like, you get it and then you get over it. And then, like – but for the people who lost people and stuff, it's not that easy. I understand all that. But from the beginning when people were really fucking skeeved out, this – to me, this was, like, a really good representation of that. Yeah. Now I think a Absolutely. lot of people are over it, but – Back that, like in that, especially like 2020, that to me, this really encaptured the year 2020 really well. I just thought the dialogue lacked in that a little bit, trying to convey that. But the plot was good and everything around it. Uh, yeah, but why don't you I would agree. get into that beginning scene, Mindy, because I thought it was a really good one. All right, so we start off in a grocery store. And we start off following this young man named Tyler. And Tyler's, like, an idiot, kind of. Like, he asks one of the store guys, because he sees absolutely no paper products. So he asks one of the stock people, like, do you have any toilet paper? It is 2020, dude. There's no toilet paper. There is none. At this point, everyone's wiping themselves with newspaper and stuff. Like, there's no toilet paper. So then... He runs to another aisle and grabs a box of wipes. And there's a young mother standing in front of him and she's like, really, dude? And he gives her the wipes. 
What I don't understand about that scene is that he gave her the wipes without a problem, and she still called him a dick. No, he's not a dick. He would have been a dick if he didn't give him to you. Well, he would have been a dick if he didn't give him to you, but he gave him to you, and he didn't even say anything. I mean, he said something once she walked away, but she already called him a dick. Yeah, it's because, like, he hesitated. He almost took him from her. But but I, I see what you're saying. He's, like, he was nice enough to give it to her. Exactly. Like, he had, honestly, he could have been a dick and walked away because he got to the shelf first. He got the product in his hand first. Yeah. I don't even think he saw her run it. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, I understand that scene because I've been in that situation. But, I mean, that was, that was a low blow. She didn't have to call him a dick. <laughs> well, then, Tyler's continuing to go through the grocery store. He gets some stuff. And then he goes to check out. And before he checks out, he gets a really, really weird text message. It says, hey, Tyler, do you want a party? And he responds with, yeah, who is this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, why would you say yes? And then the person's like, yes. Wait, no, sorry. Sorry, I'm I'm jumping ahead. Then the person is like, we'll only play if you're COVID-free. Have you been tested? And the kid's like, none of your fucking business. Fuck off. Well, finally, the person again sends him a text message image of him standing in line at the grocery store. Yep. So at this point, Tyler knows he's being followed. So Tyler's like, all right, who the fuck is this? And the cell phone goes off again, and it says, gas. Yeah. So this young man turns around and proceeds to flip off everybody in the grocery store. And and then he leaves, gets in his car and whatnot. He's really freaked out, but goes home. Yeah. This is what bugs me. This is what bugs me. He goes inside his house, and he doesn't lock the fucking door. That is something that Kevin Williamson has not only made fun of, but has also, like, done in every single one of his movies. You go through the door and you lock it. Screen. Well, yeah. not even screen. Just how I know what you did last summer too. Yeah. What does Helen do when she comes home? Only when her hair gets chopped off. The only reason the killer got in is because her sister left the back door open. She shut and locked her door. That's true. So I mean. That was a little sloppy to me, but it could also be because someone else was writing as well. Maybe they wanted to do it a little bit differently. Maybe they wanted to make fun of the tropes without making fun of the tropes. So, anyways, Tyler is home. He's wiping down stuff with a uh, sanitary wipe. And all of a sudden, he realizes that his fucking door's open, which is why I say you lock the damn door. <laughs> so he goes outside the door and sees if anything's going on. He closes the fucking door and proceeds to do what he's doing. Well, then he walks around the house and he finds another open fucking door. And at this point, it's just inevitable that he's going to get fucked up. And he does. And I will have to say, this kid puts up a hell of a fight. This man, I feel, was so enjoyable because he fought. Yes, and it was. And this is where I'm going to jump in because I thought a perfect opening scene to the point where I thought he might make it. I thought this movie could be about him, and I thought he might make it. And usually I know when someone's about to get killed or not. And also, I'll give it to Mr. Williamson, and this scene alone, and this 
like whole segment alone, he had me jump twice. Yeah. Like, you know, the scene where he turns off the TV and the guy just happens to be right there? Yeah. In the shadow of the TV, like, that made me jump a little bit. Yeah, it made me jump, too. The whole scene was really good. I really enjoyed it. I uh, I thought, like I said, I thought he was going to live, and then at the end when he got his throat slit, it was like, oh, God, he almost got it. I thought it was almost a perfect But that was opening. so good, too. Like, he didn't I, even I'll, give him a chance to scream. It was just like, rip. It was. And I would go as far as to say this is the best opening scene that Williamson's wrote since the original mm-hmm. scream. Oh, I would definitely, I would definitely say so. And like my fiance Kevin, he said, "Well, why didn't he take out the vocal cords?" Well, that's because Kevin Williamson already had someone's vocal cords taken out. Remember, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. In the beginning of Scream, he got her in her vocal cord. Exactly. And she wasn't able to scream. So I'm very impressed that Mr. Williamson stayed true to his individual writing, and he made it different. Yeah, it was way different. It didn't feel like anything else, especially the way the camera was shooting, where it was like behind him a little bit. This is a well-shot movie, It's uh, and it sets up the rest of it really well. And I like that they had the pandemic shit's there, and it's obviously with the name like Sick and the whole why of why this is happening at the end, which we'll get into. But I thought that it didn't hammer it home too much to where I was annoyed by it. A little bit at the end, I was like, this is a bit corny, but I didn't think, I didn't feel like it every three seconds, it was like COVID, 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 you know? Oh yeah. I agree. And I think that's because you had two young ladies. And one of them was very paranoid about getting sick. And then the other one just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like the other one was like, it's fine. Like, it's just a virus. Like, stop. Like, you're either going to get it or you're not. It's like the flu. Do you feel sick? I don't feel sick. I mean, they quarantine anyway. But, I mean, if it wasn't for that dynamic, I feel, I don't think it would have worked. And by the way, I mean, I, I say I wish, I guess I wouldn't wish with the amount of people, like with people actually like trying to kill me and stuff, but I would, when it first all broke out, I would have loved the fucking uh, quarantine in that house. Yeah, right? That's oh, God, yeah. Home. That was a sexy And that was a I mean, cabin. That's a big ass cabin. That's like the Marriott of cabin. Yeah, that was beautiful. I loved it. Oh, I absolutely agree. Like, that's a... That's a snazzy cabin. It's a great cabin. Uh, I thought the the it does what a slasher does. It's almost perfect, as in it didn't have to kill too many people. You had a central set of characters, and then you add in like DJ and a couple others, and you follow these two girls mostly, and them fighting a slasher throughout the night, them fighting a killer. Evan, uh, 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 eventually, they find out that. It's a, a couple different ones, which is, is mm-hmm. fun to find out. But I think that's what the the movie, what it does best is when you're following a Gideon Alden getting chased around or following Miri getting chased around and how they have to figure out. Now, I agree with you on some of the tropes, but I also think that these two young ladies were written incredibly smart. And uh, the way they used their environment, the way they had to use quick thinking, the way they had... A lot of this movie is just them figuring out what to do next and how to go to the next thing. And that's what I really appreciated about that. Because it's not just running around finding a dead body, running around finding another dead body. Like, they were really trying to survive in every instance. And they did a lot of the horror, like, stabbing from underneath the dock later. Like, we've seen stabbing from underneath shit so many times and then going through someone's hand or foot. But they yeah, but she made me so anxious because of the fact that what? she was like fucking playing Twister with herself. Well, but like on the damn dock. If it was happening to you though, like what's your human instinct? Like jump in the water I or do that? Up. Nah, I would have stood up. 
and then get it right in the foot. I almost would rather it kind of in the hand or something. Right. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't mind. And I liked how she was kind of twistering around while it was like, I don't know. To me, that would have been my instinct too. And then, and the way, and then he comes up. I, I, I liked little sequences like that. I really did. Mm-hmm. I like how she I mean, I appreciated how, oh, oh, absolutely. That was beautiful. <laughs> That was that was great. I I really really I didn't see that in her. I yeah. saw more of that in Mary than I did her. Yeah. So the fact that she was able to do that really impressed me. Well, and I yeah, and I like how the two characters ended up extremely likable when it seemed like at the beginning Parker and Parker has her flaws and she was written that way and that's great. But Parker seemed like she was going to be this bitchy, snobby, I don't care about COVID chick at the beginning. Right. And Miri seemed like the anal, like, you know, it's the most important thing. Like, get sick. Yeah, annoying fucking. And I felt like, oh, this is going to be a, a movie of unlikable characters. But they slowly become likable as you find out different stuff throughout the thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. and through how much they have to go through. And I like how I feel like Williamson was homaging himself a little bit with the death of DJ. When he almost makes it to the door, but he's getting stabbed so many times. And then he kind of walks out. And it's kind of like the Dewey walk in Scream 1 when he's stabbed in the back. But this is a little different because the guy's holding like a fucking a metal like spike pole type deal behind he him. He was holding him. No, he was holding him up with that, uh, with that deer head. Oh, yeah, the deer head. The, yeah. the one that takes No, it was a spike. Well, it was a spike, wasn't it? Yeah. Because it seemed like he had two hands on it, like... Yeah, because then when the spike came through it at the end, it was a straight spike. Yeah, it was a straight, because then he, like... Oh, okay. Yeah. Because the antlers were on the ground Uh, later, so, you know. But, uh, the way he was, like, and then it's like, oh, he's walking, but then it's like, oh, wait, his feet are, like, floating in the air, and then it's like, oh, shit, he's behind him, and then the way he just fucking... You knew, it's one of these things where you know it's going to happen the whole time. You know what's happening, but it's still fucking cool for some reason. Yeah. Because of how it's shot, how it looks, just watching it finally go and through his chest. And he was smart, too. Like, he figured he out what was going on very quickly. Like, yeah. he couldn't find his phone, so he darted upstairs to help the girls. Like, that is, I mean, that's actually pretty quick. I mean, I was very impressed by that. Yeah. Yeah. He was. It was a very smart killer. Oh, I mean, you want to get into the twist a little bit, or you want to get into some other stuff? Or... Well, real quick, I want to talk about how Mr. Williamson. He always has those scenes that make you cringe, and this is a scene that made me cringe when they were on the roof because okay. you knew. Something was going to happen to one of them. You knew it, but you didn't know when it was going to happen. You didn't know how it was going to happen. And you didn't know, like, anything, basically. But It was just very, very suspenseful to me, especially because he didn't put any music in it. Yeah. And he just let it be. That was very, very cringy to me. Because it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, stay together, stay together, stay together. (laughs) And he pulled a scream one and had the killers to come through the window and knocked poor Mary. And I, I give it to her. She fell fucking three, four stories, broke her leg, and she still lived. I thought for sure she was dead when she fell. Yeah, I was like, I thought so too. Yeah, I, I, I knew that she was gonna fight, but it was a fucking. That was a high draft. Yeah. And the way her neck looked and everything, it's like, oh, maybe she is dead. But she found her way out yeah. of it. She's a fucking warrior, dude. She really was. And Parker actually gave her some excellent advice when she passed by her. And she said, don't get up. Do not act like you're alive. Yeah, act dead. And she act like, no, like no, you're no. dead. And she's like, no, like you're too hurt. Act like you're dead. And yeah. she listened and she did it and it worked. I agree. So I will have to say that both of the young ladies played very, very smart characters in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. When they realized they had to survive, they really did. 
Oh, absolutely. I was scared for both of them. I wasn't sure which one he was going to have live or not. Yeah. Yep. And I was nervous for for both sides because, I mean, I don't really like Parker that much, but she had some chutzpah. Now, Parker was the one that owned the cabin, right? Yes, Parker okay. owned yeah. the cabin. Yeah, she's the bloody one. I did not like her, and it's like, oh, I hope she's one of the first ones to go. But towards, but by the end, it's like I was kind of invested in her. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, when I first saw her, I was like, oh, I hate this fucking chick. I cannot wait until she dies. But then when she's, like, on the pier and she's squirming, I said, move, Parker, move. <laughs> yeah. I eventually started to like her a lot. Uh, and one of the I things think that's that, awesome because we found out she's not really she wasn't really a bitch. No, she wasn't. She a was bitch. just she, conceited. She seemed more bitch than she was. But she was also like they are, and they kind of hit home on it a little bit. But they're selfish fucking kids. Like, right. like they don't give a fuck about anything. Like when Kobe kid, they thought they could do whatever they want and go to parties and shit. And when the movie tries to kind of teach you that lesson, you kind of roll your eyes a little bit. Right. Because you're like, yeah, we get it, you know, for fuck off a little bit. But it's also like people are like entitled. People are entitled. Pe- people don't give a fuck. People do do whatever what pleases them and don't think about the consequences. And, you know, how many people died because she did that? And, and when it tries to tell that story, it, it half works and half doesn't because – like, she doesn't even seem to feel bad at the end. You know, like, she doesn't right. give a shit. She well, like she said, it could have been anybody. Yeah. But I, I think that that like, part of the movie gets a little muddled, in my in my opinion, at least. Exactly, because she really didn't feel remorse. She just more kind of felt, like, angry towards the people that were doing it. Because she's yeah. like, wait, like, this could have been anyone. How do you even know that he got it from me? Yeah, because even when they're revealing what they'll reveal, which we will say what the actual reveal is, but uh, when they do that, he, she, she, like you don't even get her where she's like, oh shit, I'm so sorry. Like you get a little in her eyes, but then she's like, well, it could have been anybody. Like I'm, the, you guys are crazy, shit like that. Those I mean, really she does felt... say sorry. Okay. She yeah. does yell, I'm effing sorry. What do you okay. want me to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that's good. But I think that was more of an angry sorry. I don't think she really meant it. Right. I agree. I think it was more of a, like, I'm sorry, all right? What else do you want me to say? Like, your kid died. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, just because she said, like, it really could have been anyone. Because she's right. It could have been anyone. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad for the poor girl because I don't know if Daniel wants to do this twist or not. Well, hold on, hold on. Before we get into the twist here real quick, it wasn't just one killer. It was actually two. You didn't find this out until Parker smashed the guy's face in. <laughs> yeah. Then you find out that the killer had a daddy. Well, daddy's not happy. And he starts fighting with Parker and Mary's still acting dead because she's smart and while she's acting dead she fucking breaks the chair and makes a splint for herself with the chair stems a turkey cutter and a fucking thing of saran wrap that is some ingenuity right there it is that is smart like, that's that girl from Hush Smart. Yeah. That's right up there with her. Yeah. Like, that was that was really, really fucking smart. Because she's like, I'm going to have to run at some point. Like, I'm not going to be able to just act like I'm dead the entire fucking night. So I got to do something. Anyways, Daniel, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about the twist? Because I know you love this part. Uh, I thought it was it was good, but... uh. When they, I don't think the little old lady needed to be there. No, but she, Parker's running at the pretty much. It's getting close to the end. At least we think so. After her and Miri have dodged so many attacks, Miri finally kills the guy that gets his face smashed in. He kind of jumps in for one less scare, grabs her leg. She 
hits him through the neck with a knife. But Parker. Oh yeah, and she did such a good job too. She did. I, Mary's chase scenes were. I I actually preferred them to Parker's, and I thought she was a smarter kind of survivor. Well, she had more to lose. Was. Yeah. She did. Especially once her leg got injured, she had more to lose than you were really thinking, like, oh, my God, she's going to die. Yes. Because I hate to bring it up, but unfortunately, she was a darker colored person. And in Mr. Williamson's films, that's normally who he kills off first. Just saying. Uh I mean, he Joel did make it to the end of Scream, so let, let's not push too many. Now. He ran away. Well, an, a strategy is a strategy. A W is a W. But uh, and, and I, I do see what you're saying with with horror in general too. But Miri also was a very intellectually written character. I like she was very smart with the way she uh, you know used the injury, but even like would use it like. She knew when to get away. She knew the right things to do, even trying to get the cops at the end. Uh, she was always working to find a way out, and I love horror movie survivors like that. And she didn't take too much time to just be scared. Her and Parker were always trying to figure out how to get – and that's, what, that, that's my favorite part of this movie. Is, and usually chase scenes, it, it's either hit or miss because you really – you watch these things to see people die. And a lot of this has chase scenes, at least like five or six, where nobody dies because it's just chasing these two girls, but they find a way out. But somehow they make it so enthralling and it makes it so close. I thought it, either one of them could have died at any point and either one of the girls could have been the final girl. And that's what made this movie so special to me. But the big twist is that she stops, she finds a car, she kind of gets him beat up on the side of the road a little bit while he's chasing her. No, you're Parker. missing a part. You're missing a part. You're missing a part. At first, right. she runs well, go ahead, but then to I was that cabin. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll let you get back to your role. But at first, she found a cabin across the pond. The Winans. Yeah. And yeah. she tries to get them to listen to her. And he don't know her, so he's about ready to shoot her in the face. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, I know your daughter, Carly. Like, you took us tubing. And he stopped, and he's like, oh, wait, yeah, you're Miranda's kid. And as soon as he did that, as soon as he was willing to get that girl help, the killer came and was for you. But, yeah. yes, Daniel, you can continue your your role now. Sorry. Yeah, he stabbed him through the throat. But she, she sees this old lady who's wearing a mask. And to me, this is when the dialogue started getting corny for me, too, when the lady wouldn't let her in the car because she had a mask. And I thought that was good. Who is that man? It's like he's gonna kill you. Yeah, and she's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And it was like I get there to try to be funny, but it just felt like a little too much too. Yeah. It's like a normal person would be like, "Fuck the like this like this guy's got a knife. She's all blood, covered in blood. Let's get her the fuck out of here." But no, I don't know like, though, Daniel. There were some older people that really were like that. There were some older people that were really like, no, like, I'm sorry, you're in trouble, but you need a mask. And even so, and maybe it was a real life thing, but it felt like low hanging fruit to make fun of. Yeah. It just felt like too obvious of a thing. I feel like anybody could have put that in there. You know, like, it just feels a bit, a bit obvious, but I thought, and then she gets in the mask, and I, or she gets in the car, and the lady gives her a mask, and it's got chloroform on it. And I thought that was pretty witty. So the, the lady's in on the operation. Now they take her back to the original cabin. Miri's in the kitchen trying to get the, the cops to come via Wi-Fi, via laptop. And, you know, the mom, and, and who eventually turns out to be the husband, who reveals that the guy who got his face masked and stabbed through the throat. Not a great day for him, by the way. That was their son. and uh, Their oldest son. Their oldest son. And the guy she was making out with at the party, who DJ confronted her about earlier in the movie, that was their other, their youngest son, Benji, who she gave COVID, and she gave seven other people COVID at that party. And Benji died alone in his room. They're in a hospital room. Yeah. But here's the thing. She wasn't really sick sick. She had the virus, but she was what they call asymptomatic. Yeah. So she didn't think she had the virus. Yeah. 
that's the most fucked up part. Yeah, and they did the test on it, and they're like, you got COVID, blah, blah, blah. And, and, like, this is – it did lose me a little here. And yeah. that's that's kind of what I was saying earlier. So when they really try to, like, press on that part and tell that story and give that a message, I, I like this better as just a slasher than as a COVID slasher. I, I thought the COVID stuff was – some of it worked. I thought here – I thought the beginning worked setting it up a little more and setting up why they had the quarantine stuff worked a little more than this. And like, oh, you gave my son COVID and he's dead. Fuck you. Like, it just felt a little ham-fisted to me. Uh, and it felt and the yeah. mom and dad getting so mad. It was just kind of cringy. It didn't feel like scary. I didn't feel like, oh, my God. Like, I just felt like, oh, okay. But that's just me. Like, they passed. You... Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I felt like I felt both ways because a lot of people don't know this, but I myself, like, besides the staff cast, I did work at a nursing home where a lot of people got COVID and a lot of people that I had relationships with died. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I have seen the horrible side of COVID. So, I do kind of get why these people were so angry. Because not only did she infect her son, but she infected seven people. Yeah. And also, the thing that really pissed the father off is the Instagram post that got posted. They were saying, fuck COVID and shit. And he's like, what the hell? Like, my son died. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I understand both sides of it. I, do I think there needed to be a revenge plot? No. No. It felt a little, but to me, that's when it lost me a little bit. I didn't care about the story behind it. And, like, me and Sharon, were, I remember we were watching it, and, like, Sharon had made the comment. She was like, I, I hope that they show why these people are doing it. But after seeing it, I kind of wish they didn't. Right. <laughs> yeah. I wanted, I, I felt the same way. It's like, I hope they explain why they're doing it too. But now it's like, now that I know, I'm good. <laughs> I would have rather not known. I'd be fine with it just being like a secret killer, just be like, they just felt like killing you. But the whole. And I have to get to this. Go ahead. I have to say this real quick because people have been very, very, very angry about this. And I have to see how you feel about it, Daniel. How did okay. you feel about the killer's mask? A lot of people thought that it was very lackluster, predictable, and that Kevin Williamson could have done a lot better. How do you feel? Uh, I didn't. I didn't care because it I was just so a I, I didn't care because like, it was. And a lot of the times, it felt like he wasn't even really wearing the mask. At least I felt like it a little bit. Uh, I didn't. Their faces or anything really mattered. So. I, I like it. Just that part didn't really mean much to me. I don't know, and I don't mind okay. the hoodie, black hoodie deal because I've seen that like the dude from Hush and a lot of other people. Black hoodies is like a prominent slasher thing. So like I, I thought it was, I was fine with the appearances of everybody. I didn't, I didn't give a shit about that that much. I know. I, I it's just a lot of people thought people that it was lackluster. I can see that. I don't, I don't disagree that it's lackluster, but it didn't ruin anything for me. Okay. Uh, well, that's good because for me, it, I mean, it pissed me off a little bit because, like, I felt kind of like everyone else did. I felt like they could have done a very more creative version of it. But, I mean, everyone has their own opinions. Yeah. But what was your favorite kill? Uh, well, do you want one of the the ending ones for yours, or because I I mean we already went over the DJ one. It, I think the last two were both equally pretty. Well, they were definitely one of them was fire for sure, and the other one. Was <laughs> uh, but I I'll go with the dad. I'll go with the dad and flying off the banister onto the the deer antlers going through his whole body because. 
I felt like that was justice. That was justice. It was good. The close-up on his face after it was all beautiful. I thought it was a, it was a nice, good kill. It, we've seen shit like Honestly, that. Honestly, I want to comment real quick. What? I want to give. I I just want to give props real quick, Daniel, to the to the creative people in yeah. this movie. To the head of creative and the head of like effects and whatnot. That blood looks so real. Yeah, it did. They did they such did a good, good job, job with, the with the blood. They did do a good job with the blood. You're not wrong. But yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. The father was an amazing, amazing kill. Um, my favorite kill is a toss-up between the mother who gets set on fire. And the uh, Mary, uh, the Mary taking out the one guy who got his face smashed and killed. Because it's really hard to get somebody in that side of their neck and that artery. And the fact that she was able to do it from behind with only one leg, I mean, good on her. That was sick. And I've seen people burned alive in movies my whole life. But she this one, so far. But yeah, just the way she ran and the way like it just like you could kind of see lesser and lesser of her and like as it was getting engulfed in flames. I just thought they did a good job. We were yelling at the TV, "Stop, drop and roll, bitch! Stop, drop!" Oh my roll. God, you were not. We were too. But yeah. oh my God, just so funny. So were we. But it, I, I just, I loved it. It, it came out of nowhere and it's just. I, it was fun. It was the way she just came fucking blazing out of the barn, just fucking running down the street. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was perfect. And it was a good ending. And then the the kids come out after looking at a badass. Like I said, I could have used an additional scene of Parker feeling bad about killing Benji at least. And like getting all those kids sick or at least a little bit mm-hmm. of self-realization. That's probably the only thing that was missing for me because she kind of yeah, just had a bit remorse. Yeah. Because she got, like, I don't like it when good guys get to be bad guys, but it's okay with it because they're the good guy. Right. But I felt like she got that. Like, she is still a flawed person who, were rep- like, she is responsible for somebody's death and a bunch of people getting sick because she was irresponsible. And the movie doesn't really ever make her come to terms with it. They just bring it up in her face one time, and then she tells them to fuck off. <laughs> right. So that somebody my age would be like, you little fucking bastard. Well, that's what I'm talking about, Sharon. That's why I'm saying that I understand why the parents were so angry about that fuck COVID party. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. And I, and I, I get it. And I, but I just don't think that they fully paid it off. They had them like reveal it, but then they had the parents die brutally, and then they can't yeah. get away with it. <laughs> I mean, and, and on one hand, it's like, oh, this is so stupid. But then on the other hand, it's like. That's how it was at the beginning of the pandemic. People were really upset about what was going on. Well, and imagine you lose your kid, too. Like, it is like... Right, to something that could have been prevented. Yeah, just because you fucking went to a party because you, you don't give a fuck. And it's like, I, I, I understand a bit. And But the movie doesn't pay it off at the end. It kind of just, like like I said, it, they brutally murdered the parents. And then the, the girl that caused it all, just, she's the hero. Right. <laughs> she gets to walk out of the bar and look... Cool. And it's like, I don't know, it feels a little unfair at the end, but it's still, it, it, it doesn't boggle down the movie or anything. It's just a little kind of. This should have been at the ending, like, you know how they always have a little scrolling sometimes for, like, what happened to each character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should have had, like, you know, Mary's leg healed and she went on to whatever it was she was going to do. Yeah. And what's the girl's name? Parker? Yeah. Parker served five years in prison for. Yeah. Uh, manslaughter for killing people at a yeah that would be killing people at a party or something yeah that's all just something little like that yeah that would have been satisfactory to me and like they didn't even need to show it Sharon like they could have just like put it intact after the movie yeah yeah exactly yeah okay yeah I I think it's something little like that that's all you had to do you know just a little you know just just to kind of give her something not that she deserves like to have a bad ending, but it felt like 
she got to like get away with you know causing. She got away with murder. Yeah, she was <laughs> able to save her life and then unintentionally killing people with COVID. Yeah, and those people wouldn't have been trying to kill her anyways if she didn't unintentionally kill their son. Right. So it's just kind of. Funny. And she, she wouldn't to... even know. She wouldn't yeah. even know that she was asymptomatic and she had it if those people hadn't tested her. And it's like DJ, poor DJ. All he like he got killed for getting cheated on. Yeah. And he probably had COVID too. He might have gave it to her. Who knows? But uh, overall, I thought the movie was really good. I it it did a lot. I'm saying a lot of my critiques, and I do have a a few for this one. But overall, it had me in the whole time, and it never lost me. Absolutely, Kevin Williamson does an amazing job with that with his writing. He sucks you in. Yes. And I don't want to just, you know, shower him because, like, the direction was really good. The directing, the way everything was shot, the cinematography, it just felt like a really scary slasher at the nighttime. It was a little dark sometimes, it felt like. Yeah, it I felt shot a little yeah. dark. But especially, we got a pretty nice TV in it. It was pretty dark. But I don't, yeah. I, uh, I thought it the movie It didn't take away from the movie. Not too much, no. You kind of got it. That comes with the territory of being a horror fan too. So I, I I really liked it. I thought it was it was smartly written, like you expect it to be. I thought it was well shot, and I thought it was really well acted. Some of the dialogue felt cringe and forced, but also, so the scenes where they're not talking and they're just getting chased is where the movie's at its best for me. Overall, I would give this uh, eight COVID tests out of. 10. I would have to I would have to go with you and give it an eight. The dialogue's a little better. It could be bumped up to a nine. But uh, to me, it's like a perfect date. It's a really good watch. I would recommend it to anybody that's home for a day and has a couple-hour free time. Yep. I would watch this, especially if you're a slasher fan. This is what the slasher genre has been needing for a while. So Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. He did a – I mean, everybody did an amazing job, not just him. Everyone, everyone did a, an amazing job. The, creative did an amazing job the uh special effects people did an amazing job like i said with the blood and whatnot so i think that this deserved a theater release but at the same time i'm glad it didn't get it because we wouldn't be talking about it right now we would have to go see it but I don't know, though. I think he's brought slashers back into the game. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, even though I hated Parker, like, I was voting for her at that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's why I think his characters in this movie, at least, got likable over time and I think that's what you can add that's what a character arc is supposed to be and that's kind of that's the best way to write a character so I I thought he did he knocked that out of the park because both of them annoyed me a little bit at the beginning and I was cheering rigorously for both of them at the end even like all the stuff I said about Parker looking like a dick I didn't care I didn't care that's why I thought it was corny because I didn't want to think she was a dick right because I it's like I'm rooting for her now she's not the bad guy in my head she won't be so, no matter all that, even to me, where she still kind of looks like an asshole, I was still rooting for her. So, that, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's on the writing or if that's on how she is as an actress, because Gideon Alden's really good in her own right. But it, mm-hmm. it was, I, I thought it was really well done on all sides of the board. I agree with that. Absolutely. You want to know what we're doing next week, Mindy? I would love to know what we're doing next week. All right, it just got, well, not just got, about a month ago, got put on Amazon Prime. I believe you have my Prime video still. If not, we can... I don't, but we'll have to figure something out. We'll figure something out. We're going to do the film, the hit film that everyone's saying the best movie of 2022, The Nanny. Oh, I heard of The Nanny. I heard of The Nanny. It's on somewhere else, too. It's not just on Amazon Prime. It's on somewhere else, too. Okay, cool. What is it about? Well, <laughs> never mind. That's for next week's show. <laughs> but it, it's a really, it's a well-received movie. I, I still have yet to see it, so I can't give a pure synopsis. But 
people are raving about this one. So I think we have to do it and talk about it next week. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you got anything else for the good people, Mindy? Uh, I think we covered it really well. I mean, I will have to say that I do apologize for giving so much credit to Mr. Williamson because I do know that he didn't direct it and that he didn't totally write it by himself. Yeah. So everyone else, they did do a great job. They did. But he is our boy and one of our favorites and a legend, so you got to give him his due, too. Like I I said, if Daniel had to meet him face-to-face, I don't think Daniel would be able to talk. (laughs) Maybe not. Uh, All right, Mindy, hootie who? Hootie who? I will see you all next week. Yes, ma'am. We'll see everybody next time, and everybody have a great Sunday and a good rest of the week, or start of the week. All righty. Hootie who, bye. Bye. Place where no one follows